Hello and welcome to the Comedians Outlook. I'm Lee Cantony and this is the podcast where I speak to fellow comedians about their world of comedy. This week I'm joined by a fan and a regular listener of the podcast, Ben Avelin, who is also a stand-up comic. He's been going for just under a year, but he's, he's got so much potential and I think he's going to go on to great things. He's a really funny guy, great guy to hang out with, and he also runs a really good night called the Ben Avelin's Comedy Stew, so definitely go and check that out. But without further ado, please welcome a fan and a great comedian to the podcast, Ben Avelin. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Ben. And firstly, just tell me a little bit about how you first got into comedy. Well, it was it was mainly after uh, I listened to a few um, audiobooks of other comedians. And namely, actually, I was listening to Michael McIntyre's autobiography randomly in the van one day. And it would just touch on loads of times that he was going around the jungler's clubs. Okay. He worked for them for like something like, I don't know. I think it's close now, isn't it? Jungles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jungles is gone. It's like 10 years and he sort of, in, in it, it touched on the cliche, sort of one day I just decided I was going to do it kind of thing. And me being my whole life, really all I've, I've been a joke cracker, class clown. And I thought I wanted to do it when I was at school, yeah. at secondary school. So I had the whole sit down with the, the teachers and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, I want to be a comedian. Aren't I funny? You know? And Without even realising it or being directly told, I very quickly was just completely put it on the back burner. Completely. I never thought about it again, to God's honest truth, till recently. Literally, I never even considered being a comedian ever in my adult life. It never even crossed my mind. So I thought, I I think I was in your your second, was I in your second gig? You you were at my first First gig. gig. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that was at um, First Laughs. Great, great night, by the way. Go down. Um, First Tuesday every month. Big tick. Uh, so your first gig was in it was in um, First Laughs, yeah. um, which used to be at the Channel Depot. And now it's now it's at the the Thirsty. Um, yeah, back room at Thirsty. So tell me about your first gig. What, what what sort of preparation did you do beforehand? Well, I had no idea what I was doing, standard, but thought I did. Um, I basically went through a few funny things that I'd thought of out yeah. at the blue that I'd discuss with my wife. Stuff that's you know the sort of stuff you talk about in the car on a journey things that we found funny about social media which yeah. actually my main focus yeah. and because it's only five minutes I say only five minutes I thought oh you know I could get loads in there in five minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just picked on a few things that I thought were really funny about just basically dickheads on social media showing off yeah. and uh, I had a proper way to finish it off with a decent which I still use now but much more refined about Facebook troll a, a okay. little story that actually happened to me uh, and that's all I did and I, I remember practicing it all the way there um, my brother rang me to wish me good luck and stuff like that and I said oh here's a few for you then whilst this is what I'm going to say tonight as a guinea pig if you like mm. um, on the hands free whilst I was driving and and uh, randomly not not that nervous about it I was excited felt completely like I was supposed to do it and gave it a go yeah know? I mean you're hooked ever since pretty much so after that, what what was the next? Because I I was at that gig. It went it went pretty well for you. I mean, uh, it was a little bit annoying being someone that's been doing it for a bit longer than you that, that you just came on in your first gig and nailed it. Because I remember, <laughs> and interestingly, my first gig also went really well. But um, what what happened afterwards? Did you get this this surge of energy afterwards? Or? Yeah, I think the first gig was a naivety taking over because I actually gave zero fucks getting on the stage. You know what I mean? You sort of yeah. because I didn't know what to expect. Mm. Um, and then second gig was. Uh, uh, and I'm an avid fan of your podcast, so I've heard this a few times. It, it was an open mic night with music. Yeah, I made yeah. the fatal error, mm. um, and I turned up, and they said no problem, and I was there. There was no structure to the night, no other comedy. It was all people really taking their music seriously. With the, oh, I'm, oh yeah, and at the end of the night, by the way, this guy is going to come do some comedy for you now. There's quite a few people there. They got some decent laughs, mm. but. I straight away was, uh, I don't know, it pinned me down a bit more. Mm. And then I went home that night going, oh, all right, I've, th- th- don't do that again, slash maybe I've got to do a bit more work at this. Um. <laughs> it's, it's, it's never good for the self-esteem. Um, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> and, I mean, there is a place for, like, the music of Mike Nice is a good, again, if it's just speaking out loud, then there is something there. And as an exception to the rule. I've heard people say there's this one that's really good because people expect it to be music and, yeah. and comedy. And so they do yeah. exist. And, they do, yeah. And some, some promoters do try and fit both in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with them. I mean, I, actually, my the music over Mike Nights did pretty well. 
um, I did alright at yeah um, it, then it's all people do get a little bit annoyed with you when you're there and you're the one you know trying to trying to make them laugh when they're there to listen to music and listen to unsigned bands and, and artists yeah. and stuff but and so after that like obviously obviously after you've done a couple of gigs your your process of how you your write yeah. material changed how because i'm a bit concerned that one of your first sort of inspirations was was uh, michael mcintyre because i'm sure that's probably a lot of comedians first in, inspiration but they're they're so honed they're so they're so yeah. perfected, they're so kind of far down the line that actually to to see yourself with someone like michael mcintyre is kind of like skips out all the slog that oh absolutely went. so the the reason i the michael mcintyre book hit home with me is because I was in a position where I, I have my own business I I work hard but I'm relatively flexible yeah and it just made me sort of regardless of his story made me go actually this is that would be possible mm. um, and I mean he's a very unique comedian and I wouldn't say anything like him in some senses but Whereas I grew up, I wouldn't say I grew up watching him because obviously he's relatively new. Mm. So there's lots of comedians I have a real um, affinity with that, that have absolutely changed my life forever. And I'll mm. always know they're my, my favourites. And new people come and, and, and layer that yeah. all the time. But there's people like Ricky Gervais, like mm. some love or hate him. I, I'm an absolute massive fan of Ricky Gervais. I think he's exceptional. And uh, anyone who says he isn't is just weird. That's my opinion. I just think everything about him is I love the zero fucks. I love the way he doesn't care. I love the way he says what he wants. But I love the way it's also structured too and it's sensible. But And that's his stand up you like? I like his stand up, but I don't necessarily, I don't know. His stand up's good. I think his stand-up is very good. I like the way it's... I like the satire and the irony, but he's in a very unique position to sort of play those jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got people coming just to see him, and that doesn't yeah. really work when you're on the open mic. You can't, you can't die on your you, ass when you've got your you can't, yeah. You can't just be a, you know, fall on your sword of your own opinion just for the, the, the ironic joke of it, yeah. which is great, which he does brilliantly. But so I wouldn't even say necessarily he's my favourite comedian. I don't know who my favourite comedian is. I don't think I have a one favourite comedian because there's times... Like uh, I'll, I'll watch like a YouTube clip of Jimmy Carr, mm. and Jimmy Carr is just a, a, a masterclass of comedy. You watch Jimmy Carr and go, "I can't do that. <laughs> I don't think I could ever do that." Or someone like Gary Delaney, you go, "I don't think I could do that." Bang, bang, bang. Someone like Ricky Gervais. Strangely, you go, "I, th- I think I could do that." It's because it's, <laughs> it's, it's because it's the guy rocking up on stage, he's up, yeah. up having a chat with his mates and. And he, he does the whole thing, you know. He he was inspired by people like um, Richard Pryor and he, and it. and um, and Billy Connolly and <clears throat> Richard, um, George Carlin. And stuff. Yeah. So so they're they're the sort of people that come up with with a couple of concepts and then just sort of work their way around it. But if you ever want to see the raw Ricky Gervais, you you go to one of his warm ups. Yeah. Um, one of his um, I think in America they call it a workshop. Yeah. Um, whereas a workshop here is like a like a lesson sort of learning thing but um, yeah so the, he does that he does like loads of those but the, so by the time he gets to his arenas he's, he's performed to 10,000 people and, that's it and, and all that sort of he's, stuff he's so, polished and he, he calls it out he said these are the shit bits and most of it is not going to be make it to the final show yeah um, so in some ways you're lucky because you're seeing all the shit bits and no one else is going to see them and otherwise yeah. um, I've never seen them live and I neither, strangely me neither I've always been too busy but. I don't I don't think I don't think he's the greatest stand-up comedian out there. I, I, mm, I really like his stuff. I love. I mean, obviously, people like Carl Pilkington made him, yeah, um, big time. And yeah. I'm a big fan of the stuff he does, and I like the sitcoms well, he did. That's kind of where I sit with him. I don't necessarily have him up there as my favourite ever um, stand-up because uh, strangely, stand-up comedy has not necessarily been on my complete radar. Mm. I've been a massive fan of comedy my whole my yeah. whole like massive fan of everything. But when I actually really think back to Nitty Gritty, it's not necessarily been stand-up. Yeah. It's been every decent sketch show or something like, I don't know, like Arman and Partridge, which is just legendary. You know, and these yeah. really funny sitcoms, unlike The Office, which I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I can quote you just about any single word from The Office because I'm that sad. Um, but stand-up comedy, I sort of really, as a child, if you like, say a child or young teen, the only real stuff I'd seen was someone like Lee Evans or Jack D or, or whatever was on telly, basically, be, and that yeah. was all I would have known. It used to be the place, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I like his stuff. I think Afterlife, so his latest sitcom, was brilliant. It's decent. I, um, the only thing is, I've listened to his um, Ricky Gervais' Deadly Serious a few mm. times, right? And pretty much his message that he's getting across in podcasts and wherever he talks, it's pretty much he's written a sitcom just to fit it yeah, all into yeah. one thing. So. When you've listened to Deadly Serious, then you watch Afterlife, you realise there's loads of that yeah, in yeah. Afterlife. And yeah. I've listened to them all now. He's just released the most recent ones, oh, okay. 51 to 55. Oh, I've, just, oh, okay. I've just listened to those. And... Um, but the minute it's all freedom of speech, yeah, 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 you know, it's proper. But even, but even um, the stuff with Carl Pilkington years back are in his are in afterlife. There's a yeah. bit where he's got a real. He has he hates people being noisy when they're eating. Yeah, like so the bit with the uh, the milk um, with the the breast milk in, in afterlife. <laughs> yeah. That's a true story. That actually he actually saw that happen. Yeah, someone told him it happened, and that whole thing he's basically living out one of his because also back in extras he did yeah. that. Goes out for a meal in a restaurant and someone was slurping. That's right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's obviously, and it's a trait I've heard on his podcast. He hates, so yeah, it's yeah. all coming out. But so yeah, I mean, his when, when he did animals, yeah, um, that was probably one of the, the biggest DVD ones I think mm. around at the time. But generally, I haven't. I'm, I'm going to hold my hands up. I haven't until more, much more recently, in the recent years with things like Live of the Live of the Apollo coming on telly, maybe haven't really watched much. Yeah. Um, and the only time I've really been out to see it is maybe like a big theatre one. You know, like like I went to the O2 to see Michael McIntyre, for example, um, uh, last year, actually, as a, as a present. But that really, I haven't seen much. But my, my earliest memory of it, I went with a friend to see, um, uh, honestly, it's a Jerry Sadowitz. Okay. And he's absolutely barking mad, <laughs> uh, doing magic and smut. To, you know, you name it. And it was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in my life but you couldn't it was sort of that borderline old school kind of comedy where you're like you couldn't say it but now. we're lacking that now we're lack, we, we are lacking um, like Milton Jones is probably the only one that around at the moment who's doing really silly stuff yeah like clean really kind of, family almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I, he's not my favourite comedian and I don't really his stuff doesn't really resonate that I much with me. Saw him actually randomly. Really? Yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is where I start naming comedians, saying I, I just like them, and then you go like, "Oh, they're my favorite comedian." Milton Jones isn't my favorite. His, his but um, it was not, the awe of Milton Jones is being in a room of people when he's making them laugh, and yeah, it yeah, twists yeah. your brain. I don't necessarily want to aspire to be like Milton Jones. Well, I, I appreciate his how brilliant he's yeah. a comedy, but I just don't. I I just it doesn't really resonate with me and I'm sure in a room with loads of people laughing laughing is is like is very very infectious I don't know about you but I like to wince and go oh I like that's coming out in mind more like I had a a friend awkward comedy you mean a a little bit like oh did oh right not like oh my god you shouldn't say that a bit like oh I wasn't expecting him to say that Um, and I've sort of um, I've always been like I've always liked dark comedy. I've always liked you know trying to push the boundaries. I've you know, and I think when you think back to all the extreme comedians that you know, and some of the stuff that Jimmy Carr says, for example, you just can't. He still says them, and he still says them, yeah. and he gets away with it. And I, I've never quite laughed like you laugh at stuff you're not really supposed to laugh at. But I don't care. So I can't, I can't remember exactly your the material you did on your first gig. But how much did you say in the last? How long have you been going? About six months. Six now? months. Yeah. On, it yeah. was just gone six months now. Right. Yeah. So you've been going for about six months. So then, how much has your your material changed over those six months? Yeah. It's 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 it's, it's I'd say it's changed quite a bit. A lot of there's some things that haven't worked that I've put in the bank that I think I can make work later, and I think that as time's gone on, I've realised just how much what used to I would think would fill a couple of minutes is now a line. Right. Um, okay. So I'm sort of getting to that stage where I can start piecing it all together just to make a decent five or ten here and there, which would have been loads of stuff in the few, you know, in the past. Yeah, yeah. And um, I said the premise of it's similar. Like I, a lot of the feedback I get is is a bit like uh, the term dad jokes because that's not what I do. But people compare me to the dad or the uncle who gets up at a wedding and doesn't give a shit and just tells jokes. And like that's what someone just said to me like the other night when I was hosting. Good jokes, got decent laughs, and I was trying out material, whatever you know, trying you know homing it in. But I think people do get the whole sense that. They don't think, oh, this guy's going to then follow me home afterwards because he's a weirdo. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's that, like, you could get someone saying what I say in one way 
or another. Oh yeah, I could probably play find a comedian that's out there telling yeah. your jokes and, and go, like, oh, he's, oh does God. he mean that? Whereas I obviously don't. Whatever I say, I tell jokes. You know, tell a joke about wanking or whatever you do. You know, in public or something. And people go, of course he doesn't do that. But isn't that funny? It gets a laugh, you know, and it's a bit lowbrow. But when you're emceeing, that kind of stuff does work. And especially when you layer it up, people, you're not going to expect that kind of thing. I mean, I, I've got a particular line of one of mine that always mm. works now. Um, that um, I say, uh, one of the best things about having children is better fight in public and no one knows it's you. And everyone thinks that's funny. And I said, but I get cocky. It doesn't turn out a wanking. And so it turns out it doesn't work with wanking, right? Right. And so that, you get this whole sort of bit of, bit of a laugh and everyone goes, I wasn't expecting that. And so when you fire that one out, that's a good one to have even between an act if you need to lift it up if you're hosting a night. Yeah. But it works great with all my stuff about my kids. So I don't know. It's the sort of thing I wouldn't say to a customer in my business. But, if I, <laughs> even, but even if I did, they'd go, obviously that's a joke. Yeah, and not think oh does he actually go to the park and you know try this out <laughs> some people you go yeah uh, it probably does wouldn't surprise me if he did <laughs> well there you go I look, I look a bit suspicious <laughs> one of the common things to do when you first start is also set up like your own comedy night so you do Ben Abelin's comedy studio yeah. was that to get more experience in, in stand up <clears throat> or completely and to network I mean I've never been shy about the fact it was done to try and boost what boost my route in like I've always wanted to well because of what I do for my for day job anyway I'm quite used to doing stuff like that events yeah. or you know I've always run off my own steam and it's never a problem so and I had a good working relationship with some venues and such that I already deal with and like at home for example where I live I've got a uh, our family owner pub as well so a sort of all, it's really easy to do basically and so from there on I thought to myself I'm just going to do that mm. and it's a really good way I've, I learned very 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 quickly that hosting was a good way to get new material uh, try out sorry new material and, it, <laughs> and if you yeah, yeah. yeah and if you're if you're confident enough it writes itself a bit on the night a lot of like that us talked about the wanking pit that came out in the middle of a gig I didn't think of that in the car do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. that was like a my brain goes oh yeah give him this one and it worked that, that's how most of it in my opinion comes to me on those nights where the pressure's off like at first laughs half of what I did was referring to the last person that came on Yeah. and actually yeah. and like I had a cold that day and I was actually nearly going to pull out and do the gig because I was really ill and then it gave me an inspiration to make a few jokes up about that and so I, I uh, sometimes a good couple of minutes of on the day stuff I'll just make up before I go on or mm. between acts um, and that's where that's been massively beneficial but also because you're hosting your own gig um, you can give opportunities to other people and actually it's made it a lot more easier for me to get gigs because now they've all seen me and nine times out of ten I don't have to send videos I don't really have to properly apply to most people now because they go oh yeah well I've seen Ben a lot or yeah he's alright or I'll give him a shot because he give me a shot and Already, that's, I've met people who you probably wouldn't have met had you just been Joe Bloggs on the circuit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, one of the things you've, you've um, got really into is emceeing. <clears throat> Tell us a bit about that. I don't know why. Um, if, if When I started stand-up, it very, very quickly occurred to me how hard it was, um, which is a stupid thing to say. But in, in a way, I've always been naturally confident and... You know, in your in your podcast, I hear this a lot. You know, the whole sort of the ten years, the ten thousand hours, or whatever. Okay, yeah, there's all this thing. But part of me thinks a lot of that's just the age bracket too, because I've had years and years and years of doing this kind of stuff, but not specifically stand up. So for my job, I'm always the one that does the talks. I'm always the one that hosts the quiz at the pub, or I'm always the one that does that. And I've always been very sure of myself, and it's never been a problem. Mm. So I think I've had a good proportion of those years without realizing it. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. the second I got up on stage, it wasn't an issue to do that in front of people. And I think that's a massive part of it. You know, really, all you're doing is then you just got to get the material right. Um, but I very quickly realized that I had that natural confidence, but actually I was going to have to work quite hard at this. So actually, emceeing, strangely, is a bit of a comfort blanket. When I have a bit of a rough patch, I go, that's all right, I'm emceeing that night. Yeah. Pressure's off completely. Uh, try and even use some of the gold to make it better polish it and polish it um, and throw in a few bits of fun and actually so the emceeing is sort of a good way of uh, 
I sort of naturally fell into it. It's sort of one of those things where um, it felt very me yeah. to MC. And I would, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I could be quite happy just about, I'm, I'm sure in very, very soon, I'll be at a level with MC in that I'll be able to kind of just progress further. I, I, I don't feel nervous about MCing. He's MC of mine, and he did a great job. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I felt that you needed me to then give you that affirmation because oh, well, yeah. if, if you said it yourself, then it would have been a bit arsy. But yeah, yeah, I've well, said it now, so it's fine. I can cut it that out. I, I mean, regardless of what the, the quality of my standard, to me, it feels comfortable. Yeah. It feels like, oh, do you want to MC this, Ben? Yeah, actually, that, that, that for me, I've got to be there all night, but I get to see a whole bill, which I like as well. Well, it we- makes me stay. With um with MCing, it is a good way to get paid quite quickly. So yeah. there, it's not it's not the most desirable job. I mean, I've been in and um, performed the location recording this, the Portland Dance performance, the home of Mirth Control, and you know, big gigs like that when you got absolutely pros there and you're MCing, it can be a very daunting task because the whole night is kind of on the MC and it's a very <coughs> unforgiving yeah. job. So if you can do it and you can do it well, then then it's a way of getting paid to do comedy. And what do your family think to you doing comedy? Um, my my wife is amazing. She doesn't listen either, so I mean it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she doesn't really listen to podcasts. She, she, she never actually listened to podcasts in her life. But she's been brilliant because she... When everyone, when, you know when people say that you're other half? Yeah. When it comes to comedy, she's completely my other half. Nearly every single thing we've ever found funny has just been stuff we've talked about. And so when I, I say, oh, I've, got, I've done a joke about that thing that happened to us. Or there's a bloke that died on the farm. Terrible story, but a hilarious joke. She knows it. So she's yeah. like, oh, you've done that, have you? And then um, I'll sometimes go, I want a, I want a really silly song as a topper to this joke. This is the kind of thing. Can you think of one? And she'll come up with it. And she's incredibly good at that. And she's been really, really supportive because I think she very quickly knew that it was, it was my kind of thing. And she's almost got this sort of awe and respect that she goes I just wouldn't do it so isn't that amazing um, my main aim is as we progress as I progress through my hopefully keep going I'm, I'm fully intending on keeping going and progressing and hopefully getting paid for it one day and who knows that's the aim mm. genuine aim is that she'll be able to come into it more because she loves comedy and having more justification financially to do comedy, my wife would be able to come into it as well because she's incredibly funny. And if we've got to start writing shows or sketches and stuff, she'll come into her own. But she hasn't got to be in front of the camera or in front of a microphone. She can come up with stuff. She's got a completely different angle on things, which gives it's really good for me. So I'll go, I can't think of this, can't think of this. But I did a, 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 a panel show recently. And it was, and I, it was, it was called in on. It just so happened it was about a day in history, and it turned out the day we got, you get, you can look up whatever you like. And I chose O.J. Simpson trial, and it was a lot of stuff. And I wrote some bits and bobs down about it, and then I said to my wife, just, just like the night or so before, I said, I'm, I'm not quite happy with this. Normally she can't help because it's, it's in here or whatever, and I've got to go and deliver it. Whereas she said, well, should we do some more research together, structure it, and then she goes. Then she so she researched it all. We researched the whole thing, which is much more her style. I'm lazy, so I'll be like, I'll go bang, 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 bang. There's my jokes for tonight, and I'll mix it in with some other stuff. Can I do that on my way in? Yeah, that's good. You know, and I'm getting better at that. At the, the the behind the scenes work now, but but so but she's very very good at that. She will spend all night writing and writing and researching and she researched this whole thing about OJ Simpson and it turned out we structured it and we went all through it and I added some jokes and all, and it went brilliantly so I think in the future with more of a name behind you there's more she could get involved too because I think she would be really good in comedy my other parts of my family uh, were at my first gig they were yeah. like oh at last <laughs> yeah, yeah. They weren't like, oh, you're nuts or nothing like that. It was very much like my aunt, my stepdad my, and my, my uncle were there. I just sat there. Well, this is great. My brother ringing me on the night and my mum's like, oh, I can't believe you're doing it. But and then I've got, I've got mates going out last. And so actually it's been a complete like, oh, right. I've, no one's ever said you should be in comedy. You should do stand-up comedy. The second I said I was going to do it, I had a few people like more more current friends who know me now who are a bit like, oh, maybe they wouldn't have suspected. I've always been a joke teller, but I'm um, not that. I'm, I don't know. I, I don't give it off much these days. I'm quite I'm always busy and whatever. But people that know me from years ago, family and close family and friends, are like, ah, oh, yeah, 
yeah, I can see it. Great. When's your and they're, you know they're desperate to come to the shows and things. So it's been pretty cool, if I'm honest. And I haven't invited my family to any of my gigs yet. <clears throat> really? Um, my my partner's even stopped coming to my gigs. I find there's a there's a, there's a mix. I, I my wife's never seen me, but that's purely logistical because she's okay. always got the kids and I'm. I'll time a gig when a day I'm in the area somewhere or whatever but that's not for me not wanting her to see it but my, my family have seen it quite a few times and I'm, I'm not bothered about even dropping the C-bomb if I had to it don't really matter in front of <laughs> in front of family they, they sort of know how I am <laughs> yeah if you don't say it they might be might be surprised <laughs> yeah um, so out of your friends and your mates as you grew up were you always one of like were you always the joker then yeah I'd have said so um, pretty much yeah that's straight up always just taking the piss and I was always sent out of class but I was always sent out at school I was always sent out of class because I'd rear the teacher up I was always my problem was I was, I was you know when you get your school report uh, very bright child but if only you put that effort into a school work and not making people laugh and that was me in a nutshell and I've just I still do it now I still go how much work have I got to do it could be an incredible amount of work or not what have I got to do to do my job and survive and whatever and the rest of my time is spent doing stuff that's pissing about or enjoying myself that's literally and I've had years and years and years where I've had no time to enjoy myself I've just been busy but I'm always striving to go All right, now I can be stupid and mess about and and I've always been the same I've always like joking around stupid puns you know with the kids Um, but at school it was always rearing up the teachers cleverly and they hated it you know I was always a bit like um, my, my, I've always been a bit what's the, what's the best way to put it never start a fight but always finish it so if the teacher picked on me I'd be like alright are we having this out right in that case I make the whole class laugh with a brutal joke or something about them or like one of my favourite ones ever was I got sent out once for something completely random and I turned around and said I thought you were different miss and you know and I sort of played it up and and they, they, you've watched the black hole take them up and I used to sort of get a bit addicted to could I defeat the teacher just a sociopath uh, mate. pretty much yeah. like, but, I was, but I've always been happy in my bubble don't burst me just let me get on with my thing and I'm <laughs> happy the second you sort of drag me off course and you know, start wagging your finger at me especially at school I was like oh brakes on I was quite happy why are you ruining my fun day you know <laughs> so it's kind of been a bit of a learning curve in that sense because Massively. you get the worst kind of message that it didn't land in comedy so if it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't go right you just get a silent room yeah which is the most your heart drops and then there's no way of getting it back I mean I'm not trying to compare your like childhood and your school school time with, with what you do now but I mean how has it affected you when, when, when things haven't gone right on stage um it's made me decide that I try and record them every time. So it makes me think whether it works or not. Sometimes it, you'll agree when it doesn't land doesn't mean it doesn't work. It means, not always. So I, I sort of, I always have that in the back of my mind and go, I, it's just, I, I do get that instant sort of like, oh right, was that not good? Um, and I'll address that instantly to yeah. the room by and, saying, oh, I sounded funnier in the van <laughs> or something like that. That is an easy way, that is an easy way to get a laugh. Yeah. And if you're there just to get a laugh, um, that is an instant. As a comic, the minute I see see hear someone say that, I know that they're just covering up the fact that they've just told uh, yeah. a shit joke or one that's not landed. That's it. The other thing you got to be mindful of is when you go to a room that's half empty. That you know you need to go and do a full room because yeah. a half empty room. You know, if you've got quiet laughers, you know, in, then you're going to have quiet laughers. You're going to get I them quite, in every audience. But. I, I'm quite comfortable with with land one that doesn't land comfortable enough that when I say that it's very much like a whatever that's fine um, yeah. chances are it's not one of, it, it will, it's not one if it's one that always gets laughs it's, I usually go out oh, so right it's just, just tonight or maybe I skipped it maybe I missed a beat maybe I uh, you know didn't set it up right sometimes I forget sometimes you forget the word you, you know the, the, the in root word that you need or whatever yeah, uh, yeah know, exactly. that happens but yeah, generally the tumbleweed moments they come, um, but I take notice of them. And uh, but you know, in your heart, usually if something is funny. Yeah, that's true. But you know, it's it's a slow go. But then when it does work, it feels amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. And uh, you, but I just think you do get the times where you go, oh, I thought that was funnier than it than it than it was. But also, I don't know if your other guests is the same, but sometimes 
the thing you find funniest isn't what goes the best. So like, if I listen back, like a, like a, like I was saying earlier, like the, the throwaway comments or the things that just land in your head when you're emceeing or something, get a bigger laugh than my normal joke. Or and they're the sort of things that I I think a gold does. I reckon there's a part of your brain that you don't know about <laughs> that just every now and then just throws you something and you catch it. Because I can think and think and think as much as you like about a joke forever. I can drive hours in the car. Yeah, I get on up to to on the stage, stand up or emceeing, and within five ten seconds it starts to to, to come in and. My wife was, when we were doing the OJ Simpson thing, she was like, we, we said, well, let's time it. And uh, so I was reading it for her and she was timing it. And she says, I'll throw some stuff in. And I was like, but the switch isn't on. I, I can't sit in my house. Like I'm, just, it's, it's almost impossible. I can't describe it. And if you, unless you've done it, you don't know what I mean. Like when you go on stage, something turns on that's different. Uh, mate of mine, Adam, says he sounds like I'm like a, a TV show presenter. My voice changes. All right. Because I'll be chatting with you and then I'll get on there, hey, so, good evening, kind of thing. And uh, not as accentuated, obviously, but I can't help it. I don't know I'm doing it. It's just, oh, it's perform time now. And then when you're in perform mode, it sort of feeds you stuff. If you want that um, little bit you did there with the presenter voice as a soundbite to send to <laughs> promoters and like the ITV, I can always this um, is it. I, mean, I can always cut that out and give it to you as ten like percent a, a show rule package. <laughs> yeah. um, so what's your next step then? I mean, I, how often are you gigging? Well, I'm trying to do it as much as possible. I'm lucky if it's once a week. Uh, oh really? Um, once a week's yeah. usual. Um, sometimes a couple of times a week. Yeah. Uh, I've got quite a few this month actually, so um, I'm, I'll be doing it more than once a week this month. Um, but it's just hard to fit it in. I'm, I've had spells. I've done a couple in a week. I've you know or three maybe. Um, but it's definitely a good cluster in a month. Um, I had a spell where I had a big, big, busy spell in the shop um, uh, at work, so I, I was working all hours and I couldn't do as much. But just in case the listeners don't. No, what your shop is, you can oh, yeah. you can plug it now. Oh, great! Radmore Farm Shop, Victoria Avenue, Cambridge. It's the best food shop in town. Yeah, and, and their uh, scotch their, their scotch eggs are incredible. Yeah, pretty good. Their sausage meat is amazing. Yeah, um, you can be a pod. You can you can be a sponsor of the podcast. I oh, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sponsor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sponsor yeah. you with my meat, but use that as yeah. you will. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I might misuse that. I've never, <laughs> I've, never I've never swung to the other side, but. Do you know what? Maybe for you, I will. This is this, it. This has made this conversation very awkward now. <laughs> it's all right. It's this big sort of phallic-looking speakerphone here as well. Isn't it? I haven't got a picture of it, mate. This, got, <laughs> this is a podcast. They haven't got any any reference to where we're sitting. We're, oh, well. we're actually sitting in the green room to the Portland Arms, which is a, a really amazing pub in, in Cambridge, and, and right near your right near your your yeah. farm, actually. So you can have a pint, go and get some pork, and go yeah. home. Anyway, you got really busy with, with working, and yeah, so I, I, it cut down my gig time. Um, yeah. And when I when I hosted yours for you um, yes. that night, that was actually in the thick of it. I was really busy then, but I was here, and it was great. Um, and in the last few months, I've done. I'm, I'm playing it down. I'm, I'm, I think that same night you had to go and do a drop off late. Evening yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I sort of work all the time, random hours, but I, I managed to sort of balance it and fit it all in. But I absolutely love it, and I. Um, I've done quite a lot of gigs now. I've, I've, everyone's annoyed at me because I don't keep count. Um, right, okay, yeah. So I'm not a count keeper. I've done 20, 30, probably 30-something now. Um, just just say, when you send a message to a, a promoter, just send 30-plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I haven't counted mine either, but I know it's into the hundreds now. Yeah, I, I mean, I it might know. be more. Because I do... That's it, true. I do jump on them and go, yeah, all right. I'm, and then there's my own nights as well and... And uh, they sometimes count for more. I swear, you know, as well. I don't really count them in the nights, but is it, but you start. I start warming to certain venues that are easier to get to, or um, have it always. You can guarantee a decent crowd or whatever. There's a few that are like, don't go there again. Um, yeah. Generally, well, there's a few London ones. I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking about going to. I did one London one not that long ago, and it was pretty bad. Um, and it wasn't even me. I think it was everybody. There's some. There's a couple of comedians there who I know on from the circuit that I know are good and they kill rooms and they won't get nothing, so it made me feel a bit better. Um, I just think that, you know, from my initial experience there, it's just a bit like, uh, it's, it's a long, long way to go for five minutes to, for nothing to land. And that's true. <clears throat> that's my opinion on it. So, But also, they fill the bills up, from in my experience, with a lot of people 
and gigging around and outside in Cambridge or I do things I'm going like Leighton Buzzard I go to St Albans I go to I've go to the, you know, the Glass Eye guys which is a decent night by the way if you're in yeah, yeah, a it's cracking it's, night they've been on the podcast as heard on the podcast yeah, yeah. the three of them Aaron Spaulding Louis Green and and Danny Mark um, great great comedians they do great nights in Suffolk they are Amazing. decent I mean the one I did was their Felix Day gig at the yeah, yeah. Coppers Bar um, that's right and that was as good an audience as you'd ever get the thing that was good about that gig was that the, the crowd were there they're laughing before they got there you could tell they're in a good spirit, good amount of drink in them, and not undermining the comedy because everyone was decent on the night. But it just helps you settle into the night when people laugh. And when you say "Good evening" in a silly way, they they giggle and straight away. Whereas when you go to other places, when you've just got a room full of comedians, oddly some comedians they're just not very sociable or interested in laughing at all or they're going through the set in their head not listening so you do you know what I mean they're in the zone ready to go on yeah. so if you just got a room with a couple of crowd and the rest of comedians nothing lands sometimes and that's more likely when you're going to gig in London from the amount of them and there's a few that I've been suggested to go to which I'm looking forward to but whereas out around everyone I do it's still quite short on crowd numbers but you still get a few regulars and um the best thing about it is when you meet people, other comedians on the circuit. You mentioned someone like Chris Norton Walker. He was really interesting to chat to. I mean, he headlined mine back in North Hants, um, and he absolutely smashed it. People were just were just crying, laughing, and you know it's nice to see that sort of thing. You don't see it if you're not really in the nitty gritty. And what I love most about the circuit at the moment, there's a lot of people who I look at them and I go, regardless of my progress, I'll go one day I'm going to see you on the telly and I'm going to tell my wife, oh, I, I met him because you see there's a few definitely now who are just next in line that yeah. we've all met already who are, we're gigging with, learning from and also the, the, the how generous everyone is with help and experience and little touches. I thought it'd be a bit more competitive than it is. I think in a way it's competitive because everyone's got to make a living. You know, everyone's... You know, don't don't knock the bucket if if there's a few quid going type thing. You know, everyone understands that. Put to one side, everyone is super super helpful, and I wasn't expecting that. I'm used to being sort of in business where you're necessarily you're on your own. You've got to make your way. I wasn't expecting the the amount of advice that you just get absolutely swarmed with from everybody, and some people are brutal in a good way. They mean it well. Um, and if you don't listen, or you know, only a fool changes their mind, you know. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't listen to it, you're just sort of on, on, you know, on the downward spiral anyway. And I've learned loads from just gigging with other people. So you're probably at the stage now where you have got your dynamite five to ten minutes. Um, <clears throat> where are you going with your comedy now? Then what do you want to do with it? I want to make that five or ten minutes better and okay. better. I don't think it. It's going fine. It's it's going good. But I'm also thinking stuff all the time. I want to start. I'm not really. I don't know. I want to start feeling like I'm good enough to do it. So, like, and the minute I still go, oh, I'm not quite happy with it. I want this needs to change. This needs to change. And I would like to start going. Well, there's a, there's a banker ten I've got, and then I want to start just adding on to that with new material. Um, and having the, I want to have the time to start writing more. Spend more time finding a proper process that's not just bullet points that lead into another bullet point which is sort of how I write at the minute so I just have an idea I'll write it down on my phone before I forget it and that's enough of a trigger for me to especially when you're MC when you've got a little bit more leeway to throw it in mm. I remember like if you look at the list on my phone I've got things like extra virgin olive oil as a bullet point and uh, window cleaner died in a bucket do you know what I mean it's silly bullet points like this that looks like crazy bollocks but I know what that runs into mm-hmm. Whereas I think that to make it better and to progress further, I need to have it all on maybe even little cards. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But go, well, there's that joke, there's that joke. And then make it really work on its structure to a level where um, you can start really hitting it out properly. And that, that's really why I want to go. I want to just carry on where I, I haven't got any massive aspirations at the minute, but I'd like to sort of gigged everywhere, you know, everywhere that I wanted to have gigged at. Yeah. Um, and meet everyone I want to meet still enjoying it but knowing that you're up there because for me you know I always like to 
try my best and be really good at something and it will really annoy me if I feel like I'm not and I'll just keep chipping away at it at the minute I'll go somewhere and I'll, and I'll see someone smash it and I'll enjoy it but it will, it will annoy me to a level like I'll go I'll go home and go oh, I've got to work on this This is mine's not as good as that I see yeah all the time so like I remember I went to Suffolk Punch yeah um, and only a few gigs in and um I did all right and it wasn't bad at all actually it was fine it was good and then there's a guy there called Adam Bromley yeah, Adam Bromley yeah I know him very well he, yeah. was, he was very good and Ali Warwood yeah no she, she did a, an Edinburgh preview um, and I remember driving home that night after watching those two I did it with a guy a friend of mine called Adam as well and I remember driving home that night going I'm nowhere near that I mean, do you know what I mean by that and I was like okay I thought I was getting somewhere. But that's a really good that's a really good le- lesson to learn because if you think you're great, having that moment yeah. of realising that actually like Ali Warwood is is one of the best on the circuit. Yeah. And like, you know, she doesn't do as regularly as she used to, but she's incredible. That's and, what it is for me. So I'm yeah. like I've always been like the same. I've always gone, right, who's the best? And just try and be as good as. Well, them. you're never going to be Ali Warwick. <laughs> no, that's it. But so or Adam Bromley, he's very different. He come, he does, he does very sort of middle class kind yeah, of stereotypes. And it was brilliant. But I just remember thinking they're not thinking. Yes, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. thinking they're not thinking. But they still go up with notes, though, mate. I mean, I've, that's no, true. I've never seen. I've never seen Adam go up with notes. Actually, he did that but, time. Actually, did as he? it happened. Yeah. Okay. It was, yeah. So they're, they're still trying to try stuff out. I mean, I, I've done backyard... No, sorry, not backyard. Um, have done backyard. Uh, but I've done... What's it? Downstairs at the King's Head at yeah. Crouch End a few times. And like every every Thursday, there is a there is a professional comedian there rallying out new yeah. stuff in five minutes. Yeah. You know, so it that, that will never go away. That that kind of trying to... Like warming yeah. stuff up and trying exactly. to work. Do you stuff find out. this though? You sort of chase this because, like, I've always been the same in my work life too. So I've always been like, well, I wanted to do, I wanted to have my own business, do my own thing. Always have done. So I did whatever I could to, to do that. What could I do to do that? And the, the, everything I do now has just been a process of that. Then you sort of get to level go. Oh, I've, I've sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at that now. That's fine. And then it's, it's, a, it's the same with the comedy. But I'd always be, I'm always going to be chasing that. You see, but. I don't beat myself up. I just go, ah, oh, that's good. That's really good. I've got to, I've got to be as good as that. That's that. And until I feel in that company, I'll strive to it. But when I get there, I'll end up looking up anyway. You know, I'm always, I'm always aspirate, aspiring. Sorry to push and push and push. So do you think that? Do you think that helping? Uh, do, do, so do you think that it will help to get more stage time? And maybe it's, that's it's, the first thing to, to it's, get right. It's so done, isn't it? In comedy podcast to say just keep gigging yeah. but it's hands down the only way I find I get the gold yeah it's really it, it gets rid of the ums it gets rid of the waffle it stops the way you hold the microphone the more you do it it all irons out every crease and I didn't realise that uh, I, especially at the level I'm at the moment most of what I'm aspiring to be will be fixed by consistently thinking and writing brackets sorry I'm, I'm forward slash if you like getting on stage and doing it <laughs> he's trying to be grammatically correct grammatically correct because I'm uh, thinking like I'm typing but for me those two things are where I severely lack discipline is constantly gigging which is going to have to happen you know much more frequently than I do especially a spell but the it's the the time at home staring out a window with a pad open that you need to do, you know. Yeah. Like you need to have those moments of right. I've got to sit here for an hour and just think of that, and that's where I don't have time at the moment. So I think the second I start getting, I've got my I've got um a paid a paid gig coming up, you know, which is good. It's good progress. Yeah. And um and then obviously I'm getting a bit of money from some of my nights here and there. So it's starting. It's it's definitely starting. And then once you start getting paid it's, you know you can start it starts to get momentum there the second I start earning money for it the more I can justify the doing time it, yeah. in yeah. doing it if I can earn even a little bit 50 quid for going out somewhere which is quite a lot now in, like on the comedy circuit as it is 
that's enough for me to go, well, I'm going to spend today writing then. And whereas today I've got, I'm going to take 50 quid in my business instead. You know, do you know what I mean? It's just the way it is. Um, so I'm finding a happy balance with it at the moment. But for me, it's just to start getting it to a different level where I can go, yeah, I'm good enough to be on that bill and feel like I am. Sounds stupid, but when you're on, you know, if you punch above your weight or not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you you're on someone, you go, God, I'm lucky to be on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you. I mean, and that's that's. I mean, I'm always quite humble with that, but I always like to think one day. But when I get to that level, then I always look above that anyway. So I'm just keep. I'm, I'm, it's I'm, no, no, you'll never be good enough, mate. No, that's basically. I'll never be good enough. You're always going to be shit. Um, <laughs> I think we should leave Standard. the podcast there. Just leave the always end. Always going to be shit. It's 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 been yeah. It's been a really strange. I don't know what the best way to say it, but it's been nothing like I expect. I didn't know what to expect, so obviously that's fine. But I didn't know what to expect, and I've seen some people who are brilliant as well. Like I, you know, when you, I'm sat there on an open mic night, um, and you'd be like, "I watched Live with the Apollo last night, and they weren't as funny as you are." There's times, but I mean, maybe it's just certain comedy resonates with you. Yeah, yeah. then other street, but. But real, real comedy is on the circuit, though. I mean, I agree. it's on the open mic circuit and and in the comedy clubs, and and that's where you know. And I'm not saying like tours are also the same, but I mean, TV comedy stuff that's being honed. I mean, that I don't know how much they manufacture like live at the Apollo. Mm. I don't know, but I mean, again, I would if someone turned around to me tomorrow and said like you're going on live at the Apollo, I'd I'd come up with my best stuff and and kill it. Yeah, right. Of course you would, but it doesn't. But now, like the Apollo is not quite the level of what it used to be. Right? That's so, right. So getting on that doesn't, you don't it doesn't see mean quite. Yeah. So I mean, I, I find that um, when it comes to things like that, is my. But then again, I say that um, Rosie Jones and Kerry Godleman have been on there recently, and they're yeah. they're amazing comedians. I like Kerry Godleman. I, don't, I haven't yeah. seen the other one. Rosie Jones, yes, she's fantastic. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I, I find that because my my sort of style isn't necessarily that quirky. I would say I'm probably in the bracket of mainstream. I'm not like weird or dark or uh, different it's in that sense. So I'm not like a wild card. So I think that the more I progress, that I find that I think the, like, if let's, let's say you go to live at the Apollo and you're, so, you know, you, compared to an open mic night, you've got a massive chance the whole room's just going to sound like laughter. Yeah. That's more true. than you have in a little room. And and the, the microphones you placed in the right places. Yeah, and there's all this stuff. So you just think like, if you've got a room of ten people, and eight of them are comedians, and, and who are like I said earlier, in their heads anyway, or they're just not in a very funny mood, and two of the people are, you know, the audience, and the promoters are usually pretty supportive, and they'll laugh away. But you think that, or you go into a stadium and there's ten, or, you know, arena, sorry, there's ten thousand people. Then the same ratio. That's still even at worst. You're still going to have two thousand people laughing their heads off what you just said. And I don't know about you. The second that happens, just completely puts the icing on top, and then just relaxes you. I, I think that it's just a the open mics. What we're doing now is just the rite of passage, because I've never ever ever considered getting on a massive stage and it dying. It's something about it. Like people are laughing before you get on. A comedy show. You'd hope so, because you've probably had a very good MSC. Exactly. Um, you got their sort of laugh before you come on. you got, like, at Live of the Apollo, they get someone who's pretty decent or famous to do it. And let's be honest, if you're signed up and paid and invested in a comedy night, you're laughing about, oh, before you've even got in the door. You're in that mood. You've had a couple of drinks in the, the, the entrance hall. You get there, the MC, like you said, livens them up. And even if they're mediocre, they're in, a good, they're in good spirits. They're not sort of dragged to a room that they would have just been having a drink in a pub anyway. Um, or you're just interrupting their book club. Do you know what I mean? Or whatever. So I think just by default, there's a lot of people on the circuit now who, who would still get on that stage and still kill it. And I think that's sort of like how I feel, that in time you'll end up getting to that level where you'll probably be better and better and better for doing the rite of passage stuff. But when you get to that sort of higher level, you just get laughs for less. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you can go, you see people walk on stage, I can't think of an example, but a comedian who we all know, someone that's very famous, can just go up and say, hmm, hello, in a funny voice. And everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. He said, oh, I ate my breakfast this morning. People are like, brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Like They just say 
anything and, and they laugh. Yeah. Whereas you're really having to work hard in, on the open mic circuit. Well, even in comedy clubs, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. I've, I've been to a... They, like, doing, like, backyard... They were the backyard comedy club, which is a really good room, and and you do you do very bad to fail in that room. Like it's yeah. a, they they are genuinely there for comedy and they love it. And then again downstairs at the King's Head, they're quite a polite audience, a bit yeah. like Cambridge audiences. Yeah. Um, again, lovely room, mirth control. When I was here, they they left the aircon on all day, as in the middle of winter. <laughs> And yeah, and they were freezing. People yeah, had their coats yeah. still, so you're never going to warm an audience up <laughs> in the literal sense. Well, I did the I did a, a gong show in Leicester, yeah, um, and that was some of the best and worst experience yet yeah. because I did that and it went quite well. And I got to the final, um, which was good, you know, with with no red cards at, at yeah. all. Um, but it was quite tough because when I read the review back, the there's a review of it as well and that was quite picking on what you said but also I also didn't expect to get to the final whatsoever so when you're in the final you've got to have an, a minute a minute another minute and I'd given them all my I'd given them everything at the time all my gold I was like five minutes of brilliance whatever you know this is the best I've got and thinking, you know, I wasn't many gigs in. It's quite quite new, you know. First gong show, and I was up against some people that have done loads of gong shows. And then I got to the final, and I was like, bloody, I had no idea, I never ever thought. And then I just ended up going on the front with no nothing, uh, and that just just terrible. But it made me think to myself, well, actually, if you've got a good room, who you warm to you that's where emceeing for me comes in so if I'm really unsure it's a tough room or you, like it's a gong show or something but you've got people out for the night they're not just randoms they're, they've come out for a comedy show you've got a chance if you can get up there and give it a bit of personality even yeah, yeah. if you're not as funny so th- that was like a tiny tiny room but that's an example of what I was just saying that they were up for a laugh they would come out to ha- to watch a gong show because they want to see people have fun, but maybe see people fail or whatever. So I sort of, I, I, I feel that there's, there's, there's opportunities there to, <clears throat> but it's just so, so tough in other, in, in certain places. But the gong show was an incredible learning curve. And it made me think you got to be much sharper and it made me, made me much punchier. So it was good and bad. It was like a proper, like a, knock me a bit. I was like, oh, I've got to do more work on this. But it made me get a tight five. So it, it forced you to. So you said that the comedy world has been nothing like you expected it to be. No. So if you were to look back at Ben Avelin first starting off, first thinking about going into comedy, what would you tell him? Well, um, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, don't expect it to be easy. You expected it to be I expect it to be easy. Arrogant, isn't it? But it's not necessarily an arrogant thing to think. I expect it... I didn't know anything about it, so I was naive in the sense that I just had no idea about any of it. Literally, the, the first laughs I heard about through a customer, you know, Nessie Ward. Yeah, yeah. She was a customer of mine. And I don't even remember how it even came up. But in the shop, I spend a lot of my time just telling jokes to customers, you know, just joking around. And I think I said to her once, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about getting into it. It's completely random out of nowhere. So I owe Nessie Ward a lot for. Uh, she's just she sort of was com- my complete in route to the comedy circuit because I had no- nothing. I never heard of any of it. Nessie Ward was a, was the first guest on this podcast as well, and she, she runs an amazing night at Wine Gums, which is the first Saturday every month, and that's at the University Centre in in town. Yeah, um, and so she was the grad pad in town. She was instrumental in getting me started. She gave me loads of names of people, and including yourself, because you'd started the Boathouse one, um, yeah. and things like this. And she, she was just constantly sort of saying to me about these things. And yeah, I think that would I have done anything different? Probably not, because I think that you have to fail to learn. I, I don't think you learn from positive stuff. I, I, I don't think you'd ever learn if it all goes well. I think that after my first one, I got the buzz and, the, and you get hooked. After the second one, I went avoid those nights um, but then I think like I said I really really realised like I said at that night at Suffolk Punch with Ali Warwood um, and Adam Bromley I went yeah I've got some work to do here that's when I really went and so then I, that, that's when I learned for myself 
So I would have told myself that when I first started. Don't expect it to be a, <clears throat> to be easy. Don't, don't expect it to be easy. I just don't expect it to be easy. I think um, I think I'd also sort of. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a real tough question, isn't it? It's listen, listen to the comedians out the podcast. Um, yeah, that's also a really good good start because well, you know you are speaking to people that have been, haven't either have been in the game for a while or haven't been, and it's it's. I I think yeah I think that's fair enough. I think I mean I, I hate saying like what advice would you give to anyone because it always it's always going to be get up and gig and do it. Um, well, I'd, I'd say one. Um, uh, a guy I've been chatting to a lot, um, a good friend of mine, and it's all through comedy. He's he did it for a long period of time and had to stop, and he's just sort of started back up again. Um, and so he's got a real good insight into it, and so he would sort of give me lots of advice. And it was stuff that I didn't even notice I was doing, like moving, flicking the mic, and moving the mic away, and all these things I'd say there's a you can tell someone who's really new by how they use the microphone and I hadn't that's something maybe I would tell myself straight away is don't move the mic I don't know I was sort of talking like this but still holding the microphone you know hands moving and moving around too much and trying to perform too much and I think that everyone the cliche of being yourself I'm 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 every gig becoming more comfortable and becoming more like we're just chatting that's and that's what I want to do I'm not up there to be an act I want people to just think Ben's funny this is what I'm like and that's yeah. uh, for me it has to be some air of truth to it or definitely something I've come up with and definitely like an air of truth I, I don't like silly jokes silly jokes you can't help that they're, not, they're neither truthful nor lies. They're just a, a quip. But I don't like... If it's a story, generally it has to have happened to me and I've embellished on it. Like the Facebook trolls, the bloke dying on the farm, which is a particularly good funny ones or ones about my children or whatever. I've obviously added stuff for com- <laughs> comic effect, but it has to have sort of happened. I don't like... I, 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 I just... I don't know. Strange, isn't it? I, I feel like I just have to be myself. I don't. I would feel uncomfortable. It's not. important. It's important when it comes to telling stories and being one of those sort of those comics because people people get to know you as a person rather than rather than the jokes you're telling. Yeah. So there is kind of a barrier between a one line of comedian and the audience because there naturally is going to be because they're not disclosing personal information about themselves. Whereas when you're telling true stories, you're giving something, and there's a yeah. there's an element of respect from the audience because they know that you're you know you're talking about real things yeah but I think I think that's great advice you know don't expect it to be easy because it isn't and particularly as you move up the ladder and I've had a few of the like gone to a couple of the pro nights now and stuff and it gets harder because you know you you guess you worry you start worrying a lot more because when you go to the pro nights there's a lot more at stake Um, I would love to just be able to sit in a box for five years right practicing and then just emerge fully formed. But you have to go through the slog. You have to go through, you know, dying on your ass. I mean, I did your gig um, in the middle of the day. Um, it was not in the middle of the day. It was it was the night England. In the middle passed. of that football match. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. And I I found that really tough. It was like, a tough room though that night. I, I mean, I've was. been I've I, mean, I went from gig to gig. I went from your one, and I didn't feel like it went well. Went over to Big Deal Comedy. Great night. Jason Stamp being on the podcast as heard on the Comedians Outly podcast. I'm just plugging that too. Listen back, I can't remember what episode it is, but it's a bloody so, good so, episode. There's a few back. I, I listened to it. Yeah, I think it's 25, I think, one of those. Um, yeah, great episode. And and went to Big Deal, and it was a completely different room. Everyone loved it. Warm room and everything yeah. else. But when you've been heckled by a football match and people shouting out about a game, that's really difficult because... It was tough. Because night. actually where you're standing when you're in that in in that room, in the, the shed and... A waterman, amazing little room to do comedy. One of the best, I think, in the area. And but the you've got a window next to where yeah. the, the football is, and so you can really hear it vividly. Yeah. But the, with the doors closed, the the audience can't really hear it. So you're referring to a football game that they can't really. Hear. It was June the sixth. It was D Day, wasn't it? I remember That's that. Right. And I remember thinking that night it was terribly noisy, wasn't it? Yeah. It was so annoying, and I was a bit annoyed. 
And straight away, there's some great food though. Yeah, there's some good food there. Yeah, some good sausages. Pretty much every night that you'll ever see Benner, there will be food. Yeah, yeah, we right. sort food out. I, I randomly, would you believe, never eat it, but I sort it out. Yeah. But it wouldn't, which you wouldn't believe. But yeah, that night I remember thinking uh, that football match put me off, and so I'm possibly at fault as well because I don't think that night I gave them my best either. And you know, and it was it was quite quiet because of the football. I wonder as well. I think maybe maybe we didn't get many people out. So it was a quieter room, surrounded by noise as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and half the room were comedians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's 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 really tough when it's like that. And um, one of the hardest things I find that I've had to get over is not worrying if you're doing the same material. Like uh, I always feel like, especially if there's people in the room who've seen you a lot, yeah. that even if it's comedians, you feel a bit like, but they've heard this all before. They're used to hearing it all before, though. Yeah, that, and that's what I've learned as well. I'd say that's another piece of advice I'd give to someone starting out, is because the more you see the other people as well, the more you end up thinking, oh, yeah, they do the same. I you know, know I quite the... like I quite like guessing the new bits, though, yeah. with their comics. Like, yeah, I do. Uh, Nessie's expanded her Granny Smith stuff, yeah. right? And... I hadn't seen her perform for probably a month or two months, yeah. right? And then I saw her again on my night and she'd added so much stuff yeah. and changed it all around. And, yeah. and I quite like seeing the development in, in comedians' material. Yeah. I know Me like too. Danny Mark does does talks about similar things, but then but then over time you just see it develop and become more honed and I quite like that. I mean well, I've I've seen them as them quite a few times, those three. Yeah. And they're all like Fantastic, in my opinion, those guys. When they, when I see them performing, every time I see them, they're better and better. And I thought they were brilliant when I first saw them. <laughs> so do you know what I mean? They've always been good, and they always tickle me. And some of it is the same, yet somehow they've just you know ironed it out. And that's the case with a lot of people. Like I've seen um, Paul Kerr a lot. He's mm. often at similar gigs to me. He always has me in stitches. He's always really funny. And so you know, there's, a, there's a quite a few out there who I see a lot now, but. It Paul, Kerr's, Paul Kerr's also been on the podcast. He certainly has. Um, I thought I'd drop that one in for you. Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> um, this has just become about who, who I've spoken to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll start populating with people like Ricky Gervais soon. Don't worry. It's coming, it's coming. I'm in contact. And um, yeah, Paul Kerr, like his stuff, right? He does, he's on the same set a couple of times, right? And his bit with um, being a seven year old kid, and he does, he does his stuff. I'm not even going to tell the joke because it's unfair. And he he does some of the stuff he does. He tells a story and he leads you on, and you get this this amazing silence in the room, right? And then there's the big punch, and it comes, yeah. and everyone just laughs. Yeah, right. But I've seen that laugh not come before. I mean, James Acaster still dies on his ass to this day. Stuart Goldsmith, who does another great um, podcast called Comedians Comedians, also a, a comedian that's been going for like 15 years yeah. in his own right, and he did um, Nessie's Wine Gums. And it didn't go as well as it should have done. Like for someone who's as expensive as he is, yeah. and as good as he is, yeah. you know, you're never immune from a room not getting what you're doing. I mean, James A. Cassis, for particularly, he's quite slow paced, and it takes time for people to get to know him. So early on, he could go months and months and months with just dying his ass every night because he's got a very bespoke, different yeah. kind of style. And so I think it's really important, and even for you to to understand, is that you'll never get away from that. You'll never get away from those nights that are just going to be a struggle because they're, they're always going to happen. Uh, yeah, Sometimes I, it just doesn't work. And I, I think that's, that's the thing. And I, I think that one thing I accepted straight away, quite happily, was that it didn't really matter. Yes. I, 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 I've sort of... I've always been quite comfortable with What's that. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, I've always been like, well, I'm, I'm used to doing stuff like that. I'm used to trying stuff out in life, you know, in general. I mean, I've always been like, oh, we'll give that a go. What's the worst that can happen? And I, I did the Bath Comedy Festival. My wife was like, you know, I was quite relatively new. It's for new material, whatever, new, new act, sorry. And I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, I said, at the absolute very least, I'll take something away from it. Do you know what I mean? And actually, it turned mm. out they had a woman there who was a, a judge and offered brilliant feedback and stuff like that. And so it was, it was, it was great. And I think... Don't be afraid to fail because it's the, the, the what comes from those failures is the real stuff. Yeah, that's what I think, and you, and you get used to it too, which is even better. Sort of get a bit more immune to it, and you can sort of start be really picking fault with yourself. I think it's the best way to refine. Well, I think you've ticked off one of your things on your bucket list today. You've now been a guest on the Comedians Out yeah. podcast. Tick. So thank you for joining me, Ben. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate it's it. It's been a pleasure. Very yeah. fun. Thanks.
So that was Ben Averin. What an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed speaking to him. Great guy to hang out with. Go and check him out on Facebook and Twitter and go and check his farm shop out as well, Radmore Farm Shop. All the details are in the show notes. Do you know, one of the reasons why I set up this podcast was was to speak to people from all levels, from all walks of life and everything. And, and I find it really intriguing to speak to comedians that have only just started out all the way through to people like Jason Stamp and Chris Norton Walker and Richard Todd who have been going for many, many years. And it's just absolutely fascinating to speak to these people and and um, I really enjoy it. So if you enjoy listening to the podcast as well, please do become a patron. You can go over to my website, lukeantonycomedy.co.uk forward slash TCO podcast and all the details of how you can become a patron, get tickets to the live shows and just other ways you can you can get involved with the podcast you can suggest questions you can suggest guests i've got some amazing episodes coming up and you know what that's it for me this week hello i'm luke anthony do you love hearing about the stars careers lives and mental health or meet the stars it's a brand new podcast all about that Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.